Hello and welcome to MiceCast with your host Greg, Mike, and Shaft. And how was your holidays? Other than not finding a job, my holidays have been pretty good. Sure. Yeah. Good. Quiet holidays. Went to Christmas on uh, the traditional Christmas Eve and, and was. Uh, was it jammed? No, it was not jammed. It was very pleasant. You know, it wasn't empty like the old days, but, um, you know, we got, we planned to get there at eight, didn't get there until probably about nine. Literally walked right in the turnstiles. There were a lot of people milling about and, and all that, but we walked uh, to Indy, 20 minute wait. Then we walked to Pirates. We walked basically on maybe five minutes. Mansion, 10, 15 minutes. Um, then up to Small World, took, you know, that was maybe. 10 minutes um we went out of the park to eat and then we didn't go back in oh well, actually we like did go traditional ap years and not eat in the park well actually we did well remember i'm not working i am on a limited uh, budget uh, so uh we weren't gonna go back in the park and you know the wife wanted an item for her christmas gifts and then like we have to go back to the park. Oh, don't worry. I'm like you're not playing the fucking martyr on me, okay? <laughs> you know this was I didn't buy you something because you said you wanted something in the park, and this particular item. So we went in the world of Disney. Didn't have it there. Uh, what so was this particular item? It was a um, it was a Alice in Wonderland purse. Okay. And there there was a yellow one, but there's her sister had told her there was a black one. And that's what she wanted. So, of course, we checked Main Street. Nothing there at the hub. So Richard's thing, of, you know, World of Disney has everything. Wrong. Then we went to Emporium. Has everything. Wrong. Um, so we're, we finally called her sister. Where is this item? Well, it's in the store next to the castle. So I said, where the Bibbidi-Bobbidi Boutique is. No, no, no. In the other store next to the castle. Oh, the one across the way. Well, that's the Heraldy shop. No, it's not on that side. It's not on the Peter Pan side. It's on the Snow White side. Well, it has to be the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boop Shop. No, it's yeah, not. It on has, that. It's the Tinkerbell Shop. Aha. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. That's in the castle. And she's right. telling us it's in a shop next to the castle. Now, well, her, her sister's not exactly known for high, higher brain function, but that's okay. <laughs> so we found it. And now she wanted us to buy her one while we were there, and she'd pay us back. And then my daughter, having her own money, she wanted to buy one. They only had one. So, you know, Richard says the park is one homogenized uh, uh, factory of merchandise. So the lady was very helpful. She started calling the, the um, stock room. And all she, I finally told the wife, because I got tired of waiting. I was taking pictures around the castle. I said, you know what? I'm going to go check out a few shops. I'll be back. Call me. And the, the, she, the lady, I guess, had to help out some other people. My wife finally said, you know, help them out and, you know, we'll just hold on here. I literally walked the whole east side, every shop on the east side. Not one of those shops had this particular purse. And then I started to notice the individuality in a lot of these shops that is heralded as not existing anymore. Yes, there is a lot of merchandise that does exist in every one of the shops, but there's enough merchandise that is not in every shop and is unique to their shops. I'd say there's not as much individuality as there used to be, but there's still a fair amount. So long story short, my wife got her Christmas gift. 
the kid couldn't get hers and we couldn't buy the sisters, which I couldn't have cared less for, cared less anyways. So we did end up back in the park, but not for uh, the same reasons that I wanted to. I wanted to hang out later, but, you know, they, everybody's like tired. They were up the night before. And I was like, whatever. We, we did half the park or half the day in the park, pretty much rode all the biggies we wanted to. Um, oh, by the way, though, I have to mention that remember the email, and I think it might have been from Lord Vader. So we got to be careful how we say this. You know, we don't want any vengeance coming back. Um, he had said something about uh, Indiana Jones, the new Indiana Jones, and we questioned, well, which what's he talking about? You know, Indiana Jones is like got his back to some doors, or he's hanging from the rope, or he's at the end. He's he's talking to you, right? Right. There is. I don't know if the figure's new, but there is a new setup for Indiana. the first Indiana Jones figure you see. He no longer has his back to the door where he's kind of waving at you, a tourist or whatever. He says, oh, you know, go that way or left or whatever he says, right? There's now some kind of glowish multicolor thing behind the door, and he's leaning against it with one shoulder. So it has changed. Whether or not it's a new figure or they just uh, kind of reconfigured the figure, I don't know. And I have to say, the figure at the very end said, I, and don't even ask me what he said because I don't remember now, but at the time I turned to the old lady and said, I don't think I've ever heard him say that before. So I don't know if there's been some updates in there um, or if I just happened to get one of the variations that I've never heard before, which is possible. There's supposed to be a gazillion of them, right? Uh, yeah. But the first indie was different. Okay. He, what do you mean different? Like he? Well, okay. He no longer had his back to the door. Like he's trying, you know, he's trying to hold it closed. Yeah, yeah. He had his shoulder into the door, trying to hold it, and the glow coming from the gap between the two doors was different than it was before. So he's actually turned a little bit so that his one shoulder is going to, rather than correct the flat of his back. Right. Okay. And so his legs are in a quite, you know, a somewhat different position to give leverage and and all that. But uh, you know. Not knowing exactly how. Actually, I think I took a. I think that. I took a picture of it. Um, I just haven't looked at the the memory card. I've been busy not doing anything the last couple of days and haven't looked at the the photos. Um, but that that sounds like something new to me. That sounds like something what? New to him. Oh, okay. new to him because not not knowing what all the variations. Well, sure. Possibles are, but um, I can't imagine having the figure being able to turn like that being one of them. It could be, but whoa, I, whoa, whoa. I, no, 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 no. It's, I've never, I've never okay. seen or heard of R it until Richard, you Richard, stop, stop saying, I didn't say it was a variation. This is not a variation. This is a new setup. There's no way that could, you know, I can tell you between the two, that is not a variation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I uh, thought you mentioned that you didn't know if it was a variation. No, no, no. I was talking about the, the, at the very end when I got a few syllables of words I hadn't heard before. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, uh, I hadn't. I, I have to say, I haven't ridden it in a while, and again, I was disappointed by fast pass destroying queues. We we actually queued up down below, uh, which I haven't had to stand in for a long time. But that that's not my issue. My issue is, you know, handy crap going in the back door instead of enjoying the wonderful queue that we designed and spent <laughs> a lot of money on, um, and you know, whatever. And I saw, I've seen the new Lincoln. The the new Lincoln is freaking awesome. That's all I can say. The show overall is good. It's not what I expected by reading the commentary by 
Baxter and some others. Um, I actually expected to see the movie that is at the end of the American Adventure with uh, Golden Dreams. Uh, you hear the song, you see a projection, and an eagle goes from the main curtain up to the exit, over the exit. But all those people and all those pictures, you see, maybe not all, but many of the pictures that you see in the Golden Dreams movie montage are hanging in the exit queue of the attraction. Interesting. And I have are to they? say, I yes. Notice, I thought those were all somewhat original. I don't remember those as being uh, in Golden Dreams. Many, I said many of them, uh, but the Brock is new, obviously. I don't think they've re-edited Golden Dreams uh, since the Messiah has become president. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they have. Are you talking about Golden Dreams or are you talking about American Adventure? The American Adventure, the song is called, is it, oh, not Golden Dreams. What was the, what's the name of the song? I've lost it for a second. Um, it's something dreams. Then I'm I'm drawing a blank. I'm You're, drawing a blank right now too. I'm I'm no, trying to go through the song in my that, head. That's right. terrible. That we've all yeah, it's, know, it's it's bad. Done. <laughs> a, age is taking its toll. Uh, it's, it's not Speak age. For yourself. It's something in the water. I don't know. But <laughs> but do you, do I don't Captain EO picture is in. I said many. I didn't say every single one of them. How many times do I have to say that? Um, but many I'm of them saying, are, and some of them are not. I don't remember. I, I'm trying to remember some of the key pictures. Yes. Obama's not there. I don't remember Jackson. I don't remember uh, Bicycle Rider. What's his name? Actually, Jackson might. No, that, yeah, that, that, uh, he, you know, that's the one thing. I think he is, but he's in black and white, not color, because that whole montage it, is, most of it's, kind yeah. of, you know, and antique or aged Jim Henson, I don't remember being there. Uh, I think he is. Although I do, I do remember Jim Henson. I believe in the California, the Golden Dreams montage at the end of the movie. There, I'm looking for my Epcot CD, but I'm not finding it. Um, I did find my uh, Walt Disney World. Uh, to do Horizons, no. All right, this this is driving me. F freaking mad but again you don't see it in the theater you see you hear the song and you see photographs on the way out and what i was getting to also i was incorrect uh -oh, uh, really in the reversal of the cue you actually because i asked one of the the docents matrons whatever you want to call them for the uh, gallery we tend to call them Frontline cast members. Okay, that those two. <laughs> I was trying to make it sound nicer since they work for the gallery. I understood her when they removed that wall. That would be the exit. You know, that would be as you come out. It's not. It's still loads and unloads, if you want to call it that. The same as it always has. So, for whatever that's worth. Not much. I, I enjoyed the show. I thought I, I. I you know, okay, I was right. I'm, it is called Golden Dream. It is it called Golden Dream? God, thank you. I, I thought I was going mad there for a second because you, you questioned Jeez. it. but uh, Well, because I, I, I thought that was the song from California Adventure, uh, Golden Dreams. I don't have that information at hand, but uh, the, the American Honestly, Adventure it's the same. Might be the same. It's, maybe it's Golden Dreams. <laughs> Versus, yeah, yeah that that's, that's it. But, I, I started it just so I could to make sure that... Yeah. Okay. So you hear that song and you 
leave the theater and you see uh, many photographs, some of which are many of which are used in the uh, the American Adventure uh, montage movie. It's supposed which, to make you feel good about yourself and what Americans done, America's has done, and what um, individual Americans have done. Blah 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 blah. You know. Which, by the way, Mike, I'm going to take a chapter from um, Al Lutz. I am going to take credit because we talked about this oh, <laughs> right near the end of summer. <laughs> that when we were talking about Mr. Lincoln coming back, what the show might have and what it, what people are talking about having, and I made the comment that I liked the original speech that he did. I liked, for the most part, the original show. I uh, didn't care that much about the Gettysburg Address, and I certainly didn't care about great moments with Matthew Brady. Um, I actually kind of like that one a little bit. I like I, I like the extra added bit, you know, and some of the technology stuff. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it works, you know. They did bring the old speech back, and it is for the most – it's the same type of setting with him sitting in the chair – uh, on the patio and the open and the curtains open up and shows the American flag. So since that is the show they did bring out and we did talk about that several months ago, I'm going to take credit that it was my idea to bring that show back. Yeah, so, you, you are you right. According to the AP Pass magazine, I forgot uh, backstage, I think it's called. They went back to the original recordings for the World's Fair. They remastered it. They were talk. They were surprised at how good a shape it was in what they didn't do which they did back in the 60s um they did not remove the um the lip smacking, smacking and, and stuff like that. that they left that in figuring you would have heard that if you were sitting this close uh to the speaker uh talking right so they left that in they thought that was a bit of realism uh added to the show and you also do so. You've got Royal uh, Dano back uh, as the uh, voice of Lincoln, and you the narrator is back to Paul Freese. So that's kind of nice to hear his voice in there. Um, and then there's a little the uh, Capitol model is back. Then there are they have all the little statues, you know, the spirits of America that are in the American Adventure. You know, you see on the sides. They have little models. Maybe they originals or copies of what they used to model the bigger ones they have them on display uh they have some artwork of the uh, images you see in the show uh in there some of them that were i think brought over from the um show in florida the american adventure show uh or maybe great moment or the hall of presidents because there, there are some stuff that even the hall of presidents used that were already in great moments with mr lincoln like lincoln standing in front of that fireplace and his head down and you know part of the show uh what one of the uh nice cast members told me or told a group of us that the fireplace mantle you see in there is actually modeled after the one that's in that uh painting where Lincoln is, you know, standing there, kind of silhouette, mm. you know, uh, profile, if you will, and and then there's an interesting portrait of Lincoln that looks like a black and white photograph, which is actually an oil painting, and I've, I've posted this one and, and, and these other images I've talked about. I put them on uh, on Flickr. This thing looks like a photograph. It's a oil painting. It's it's amazing uh, how good it looks. Uh, now, the last time I was in there, when I took the family, 
uh, Maynard was working there. So I went up and I was chatting with him, asking him about being at the mansion and being at the Tiki. And he was on Jungle Cruise for a while, but, you know, they didn't want him to use his own spiel. And then people were, I guess, think asking for him, stuff like that. He, used, he told me he did get approved on something he was doing at Tiki. They approved one of his uh, kind of off scripts, if you will. Uh, and I was telling him a little story about when I worked there and some people who, you know, what Lincoln looks like when he's turned off. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he's just been whacked at the fourth yeah, theater. Yeah. Exactly, and he started laughing. Then I told him the story. I remember that one girl who she became a lawyer, um, yes. Rich, and she's she's the one that told me the story. I think of uh, it being turned on when she was standing on the stage looking at him. Yeah. She about needed to change her shorts. I no, thought she did. She was telling us about another right, person. I, I think right. Well, I didn't tell it quite like that. I was cutting yeah. cutting to the chase from Maynard. I thought he was going to roll on the floor and start laughing. Uh, he he was so cracked up by that story. Who knows? That may become a story he now adds his own little flavor to. But the show's done very nice. Um, no video. They didn't say no audio recording, but they said no photography of any kind, a still or video, which is kind of a drag because I wanted to do that. But there is uh, register.com has a sneak preview of the new show that you can go watch. Um, but you can see his brow moves. His lips, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, purse. Purse. Yeah, you can. Now, Richard told me he th was told or read or heard that a lip reader might be able to read most of the show. And you can see the movements in his lips. It's pretty. And in his cheeks, like, you know, puff his cheeks puff and go in and out with, with speech and stuff. It's, it's pretty no, amazing. I, I wasn't. You were telling me about that story, but. Knowing that, yeah, the the amount of uh, machinery that is in the face where they can make, what is it, over 200 movements with just the facial characteristics, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I, I've seen it from the middle. I've seen it from the front. Uh, the front is probably too close. You can tell where the speaker is, for example. Uh, they put in video or uh, digital projectors. And you can see the, the kind of digital pixelation that you get with digital projectors when you're sitting in the front row. Uh, probably three to four rows back is probably better. And also you don't have to, you know, uh, uh, do a low rider sit in your seat to to see the uh, the show when they're doing the uh, the video part of it. I got to say that's a bit long in the tooth. That's my probably my only drawback. Um, kind of like with the Hall of Presidents, you're kind of like, Give us the meat. We're here for the presidents. And you've got a lot of precursor. You know, they get the Gettysburg Address in there by um, doing pictures and, and and all that kind of stuff. So it, it is a good show. I think it's somewhat stirring. And, and that's what I've got a lot from the cast members I've talked to that, um, you know, the country needs this right now. This is good. You know, this is good history. This is, you know, makes you feel good about the country and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and the one thing I made a comment to a couple of people, because I saw it the day before open, they had a cast member preview. Um, you listen to the words. It's it's a compilation of four different speeches, but you listen to the words of that speech that Abraham Lincoln said 150 years ago. And, you know, it still has absolute meaning to the way the world is today, the way the country is, and the way the world is around us. Well, that is true. And I was looking, uh, I saw uh, an interesting quote on Facebook from from someone I reconnected with, I went to high school with, and the, 
the funny thing was it made me think, and I went back and looked at my profile. I, I have no quotes. So I thought, okay, I'll go back and get some of my favorite quotes. And most of them are from politicians. I did have one Buckaroo Banzai quote. Um, I just saw that the other day. <laughs> it, was on, it was on some cable channel the other day. Yeah. I just stopped watching. Now that I might buy on a Blu-ray someday if it ever became available at the right price. Um, if it had great information to go along with it. But um, w- when I chose the quotes that I, I'm, are my favorites, they all seem to resonate even today. There's a lot of politicians who say things. I mean, they say a lot of things, and half of the stuff makes no sense out of the context of when it was said. Uh, but that one, like Richard was saying, what? Uh, Who's calling? I just turned the ringer off. Oh, okay. Um, it's very um, poignant even today. And, and and it was 20 years ago, and it will be 30 years from now. There, it just fits a lot of what you know goes in the on in the world and in the country. Seems like all the time, uh, partly because our type of government, government, et cetera, et cetera. Now, on the DPN, I hadn't been there forever, and I checked in, and I saw that um, one of our uh, podcasters had posted a story. I don't know where he got this story from because when I was Kind of looking for background information when I was writing my examiner article. I didn't see this particular one, but I guess Tony Baxter was going into a, a great bit of detail about uh, the figure and, you know, the hair and the facial stubble. I mean, just, you know, on and on and on about the detail, saying that this technology was not even available when they put uh, the Messiah's figure in at the, the Hall of President. And... Um, Sorry. You know, we may never have to put another president in there because, no, just, just kidding. Uh, but, you know, it's that new that even Obama's figure didn't get it. That one of the applications they might use soon, use it in soon, would be Indiana Jones. And I saw another one of our podcasters go, you know, am I the only one that thinks or am I the only one who thinks that would not be worth it to put it in Indiana Jones? Um, and my only comment is, I think it should go everywhere. Everywhere we have a figure that's, you know, prominent that could use those features, um, it should be done. I'm actually surprised it's taken this long to get there, because uh, Richard, what was it, 20, 15 years ago when we saw the uh, the first ones they were making for, based off the Robin Williams one. For, Robin Williams with the uh, time, what was the Timekeeper? Time Timekeeper. They talked about how many facial features it had, but yeah, yeah. it had no let's say skin to go over it was it was to be seen it was meant without, to be mechanical yeah right well that's tom morrow isn't that tom same, morrow yeah, same, yeah, same tom, figure tom. yeah that was the figure that was just but when going... you think about where we started in the 60s and what they've done with them over the years they just haven't really pushed the technology like they did in the first few years when walt was still around with or first year i guess he was only around with it you know a couple years um but they haven't pushed it a lot but now they've well, for it, a lot of it, reasons, it, it may be because of technology, but this is this is another leap, I think, for him. You, you go you go into the cycles because back when we saw the Robin Williams, and that was when they were bringing the ninth generation, the uh, as they referred to the Zarkov figures, and they were working with what was it, the uh, Salt Lake University of uh, Biometrics, on uh, basically using what they were using as bionic limbs. That uh, people were they were using the same technology going back and forth. We were learning what we they were. We have the technology. On. Yes, we can yes, thank rebuild you. him. Go get uh, Steve Austin, <laughs> Colonel Steve Austin. Wouldn't he be a general now, retired? I, I think anyways, he's pushing up daisies. Yeah, exactly. Well, isn't he? Uh, no, he's, no, he's still he's still. No, no, but you know. Okay. Yeah, no, I no, no, I know what you mean. Uh, but uh, 
you know, and we had that big, huge push back 15 years ago or so, and then it kind of tapered off. Now it's coming back into where, oh, well, what can we use this new technology? You know, we're, we're, yeah, there we're, should be no reason the auctioneer and pirates shouldn't have it. There should be no reason well, that Obama's character shouldn't have it. Any prominent figure that's going to speak and be seen close up, if they were going to keep, you know, Carousel of Progress for the next 20 years, every one of the, the fathers, in my opinion— should have this technology and a couple yeah it, it, yeah and because it's just the head so you know it means upgrading some heads now there's there's been other innovations to this figure there's some shoulder movements there's some uh hand movements that are really well, good you know there's so, there's it, it for just the head there's also some added piece pieces that have to be included into the torso uh some reservoirs and um well, sure, but uh, I mean that's that's minutia in my in my uh, you know when you talk about the overall figure, you know yeah, you don't, the, you don't the have biggest, to redo everything. The biggest thing is just the the micro size mechanics that they have involved in them is just incredible. Yeah, but I mean, literally, these are things that could be done and programmed. Uh, it's, you know, I'm gonna air quote in the studio and install them without a great deal of downtime. I would I would think, but you know. Yeah, I I would think the same too. My the only thing I say on that is, you know, a lot of that stuff is done quote unquote in the studio, but they sure have a heck of a lot of time where they bring it in. And they they keep working it over and oh, over. Oh sure, and over. sure. Well, yeah. once you see it in the actual environment, it's going to go in under the lighting and versus where you've seen it, it's not always the same conditions. Now, you know, here's a, here's, I'll throw this out for you for this technology. And it's, it's weird how this show's evolving more around, uh, this right now, but, um, not a great Disney movie based on an attraction, Haunted Mansion, but I think it's somewhat of a fun movie. It's not great, but it's somewhat fun. It was definitely fun. Yeah. What if I have to say one of my favorite parts was the singing bus. Yeah. Okay. We've for a long time gone with just the projections. This kind of technology could kind of make the bust that they did in a movie with those kind of facial movements possible. What if those kind of busts or even Madame Leota, instead of being projections, go to a more uh, animated face by using an animatronic head? My personal preference is I like the projection because it gives it kind of an ethereal type of a look, the glow to it. I think ethereal um, is the word you're looking for. But that's okay, a, that's thank okay. You. Sorry. Thank you. It's my Californese. Sure, but I think um, you could do that with, you know, but, the coloration and the, the, the you know, the lighting. Well, what, and, I, what I was going to say is what if you you have the pictures in the gallery as you're going from the uh, stretching room up to the load? What if you put a couple of those audio animatronic uh, uh, statues in the queue there and have a kind of semi-interactive like uh oh, that'd be that'd be awesome you know hey you you in the red is. yeah yeah hey you in the yeah. red <laughs> no I, th so, I think that'd I mean, be very that, cool that and, and even in that since you don't have oh you'd be really cool if you could a, do it do it to one that's in a picture but you know how in uh some scary movies i know you guys don't like scary movies but where the the whole face kind of pushes out of the picture yeah you know and it, it takes on the shape of the 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 contours of the face you could take an animatronic head figure like that on a very stretchy canvas or something and have it push out 
Yeah. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? That would be cool. And spooky. And since, you, and since you don't have a established voice, so to speak, like uh, Don Rickles with Mr. Potato, you can pretty much put almost any voice to it. You can actually have a real cast member perform and directly well, you, interact well, with people you, as they go by. Or you could do some pre-recorded stuff and do our like friend. Like they did with Don Rickles, yes. Yeah, do our, uh, our mice cast friend that... Uh, Mark Silverman, who's worked with oh, yeah. uh, Disney on many ventures. Uh, yes. So, yeah, so there, there's some new things in the park. Uh, the Christmas show at Small World will end very soon. I finally did get my podcast out of the uh, the lights and the attraction and the parade. That, that freaking file, I tell you. I, I forgot how. It, it was like a 30-hour render. I mean, it was... Because I render it in full HD and then down, you know, um, compress it in another program. It's like, oh, wait. And then some edits weren't quite right, and I had to go back and do it again. I kept looking at the date. Maybe we're going to get this out before Christmas. Um, <laughs> but the transition from day to night came out fairly well. I recorded it twice, recorded the attraction twice. Um, the parade, I did one and a half times. It, it came out okay. It's just, you know, it was a long show. 30 minutes of video is never fun to, you know, upload or download and uh, with any decent quality. Wow, that's a, that's but, you know. a long video. Yes, it is. But I think it came out all right. So you can check that out at, at the Main Street well, Cinema.com if you don't want to go to iTunes and just watch it right there. My, I'm grateful. I, got, I finally got my paid gig, the paid job done. So I got paid yesterday on it. So well, that's, that was, that's always nice to finish a paid gig. Yes. It's about an hour and twenty minute long video. So, so if if we actually pay you to do our Halloween thing, it would be done on time. <laughs> Maybe he's not making any promises. <laughs> yeah, you, get, you, you know what do you you know? Did you, did you, you hit? For. Did you hit a uh, written in stone deadline for this project, or was it kind of I can be done close to the end of the month? I I, I had I had a semi. He kept. Uh, saying, yeah. Okay. So you, you answered my question. <laughs> It, it was a semi. It was it was one that I. It was a deadline that I put in myself because, frankly, I wanted to get paid. Okay, uh, enough said. Uh, so, Mike, did you didn't get to the park during the holidays at all, or? December fifteenth was the last day I was able to go. Okay. And even then, I had to, you know, kind of play a little hooky. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I don't know what the deal was with uh, Christmas Eve. Last year it was packed, the year before it was packed. I don't know if it was, you know, the economy or uh, what it was, but um, it was a nice day to be in the park. Even in the afternoon as, you know, uh, uh, local pass holders and, and such started to show up, um, it, it, it wasn't bad. It, was, it wasn't bad at all. It was very The weather was, you know, cool enough to wear a sweatshirt or a jacket, but um, not too cold, not too hot. You know, it was, it was really a nice day. Uh, well, we did get over to DCA uh, for a short little bit to take a drop on uh, Tower of Terror. Have to do that. That's take like a, a drop. Nice. That, that's a holiday favorite. Kind of like said. dropping a Yule log. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, float, or floating a Yule log, whichever way you want to go. Uh, um, yeah, what? Actually that, that reminds a... me of a little funny tale off a, a, a movie. I saw some behind-the-scenes things with... Uh, um, what? Well, oh, see, Keith Sutherland was in it. That was uh, the they were cowboys. This is years and years ago. Young uh, Guns, Young Cowboy. Guns. There, there's there's a a scene when I think I think it's Mar Mar uh, Marty Sheen's brother, um, uh, Emilio, Estevez, Estevez, Emilio, the real name, Emilio Estevez. 
I think he's the one that's in the bathtub. I don't remember which one, but uh, one of the other pranksters on the set had put in a, let's say, a fake Yule log, you know, like a, some kind of <laughs> some kind of candy bar of significant size, and, ring, and, and it came floating up during the shoot. So there's a doobie in the pool. Uh, I was watching that on a biography. They had a two-hour behind the scenes of all what took place when they were filming Caddyshack and Bill Murray. They only had him for six days to do the filming. So when they had him, it was just all exclusive, just get Bill Murray. And nine tenths of what he did was just ad lib throughout the whole thing. He, it started out just as you got a couple lines, but he just kept adding more and more to it. So I, I believe that. So yeah, well, so we ate outside the park. Um, we, we, we went, we were going to go to the cousin's restaurant uh, and historic downtown Garden Grove, but he decided to close on Christmas Eve and uh, Christmas Day, so we ate at the rib joint across the street. Uh, Tony Romo's. Ah, well, Tony Romo's is one of our favorites, and we used to have one a couple blocks away, and they closed it down. The closest one is the one by Disneyland now, so occasionally we will run over there. And uh, of course, my son has this annoying habit of finding the most expensive thing on the menu. Does he eat it all? Uh, not always, because uh, he'll do that, and then, oh, I want a side salad, too. I'm like, God. And the wife gets mad at me because don't pick on him, you know. And, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it's, you know he's he's heavy, but he's also, you know, somewhat strong with the football. So, you know, I've watched, he works out, but he's always been a little heavier. But uh, she's like, you know, it's that negative enforcement crap and all that. And I'm thinking, you know, we're short on money. And yes, we can afford one meal out here. Um, then I turned over and I said, oh, yeah, the lunch menu, you know, cheaper, smaller sizes. This is all perfect. And he ate most of it, but um, uh, that always bugs the crap out of me. So I make him take it home and, you know, eat it later and, or the next day if he doesn't. Heck, I do that anyways just because I want to get my money's out worth out of it. Well, yeah, I don't leave any significant amount of food on any table. You know, I'll take a, a takeout if it's uh, worth taking with you. But, um, yes, we, we've had this argument on on and off for years it's like hey, we've been out with the in-laws uh no you can't have any more oh here you can have that it's like, i said no who is the parent here you know <laughs> oh god well, i'm sure that i'm you, sure you just love that you, you, oh, yeah. you've been overranked by grandparents yes so yes. yeah i've had to put my foot down more than once because you know the it's it's amazing how the mother-in-law no, may have treated her own kids but you know when it comes to the grandkids oh you can't they gotta be happy they gotta get you know it's like we exchange names for gifts and all that kind of crap and then we get okay we're not doing that this year nobody can afford it her sister's you know going through a divorce or we're, we're out of work this and that and you know what do they end up doing they end up buying for everybody anyways even though we said no we'll just get the kids i'm like what the parents can't take care of them does my 15 year old really need stuff from everybody else uh, you know, and where they divide the date, you know, you know, well, if they're 18 and under or this, I mean, come on, let their parents take care of themselves. We don't need, they, you know, they don't need to have 20 gifts. I mean, sure. It's nice to have, but so we go through this every year and then every year, grandma never listens. She buys for everybody. Well, they have to have a good Christmas. <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, just slap the shit. You know, she needs a bitch slap sometimes, but, uh, this goes on. I'm sure Every household has these same wonderful issues. Uh, oh yeah. So, 
So, anyways, all right. So that was a, that was a nice topic of talking about Mr. Lincoln's reopening there. Uh, so, yeah. Well, you know, with the good news comes the sad news because also, you know, days ago or week ago, uh, Roy E. Disney um, kicked, it. kicked it with a disease yep. that. I'm finding not a lot of people knew he was battling. He's he's it seems to be kept quiet. Well, yeah, stomach cancer. Yeah, and he died at. Uh, you know, if every, anybody's ever had a favorite hospital, Hogue is my favorite hospital. <laughs> my hospital of choice. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. You you laugh, but every time I pick a doctor, you know, when you change healthcare, I they have to be associated with Hogue. Uh, that's the hospital of choice for me, and. I didn't know. I, I don't know. Did he live in Newport, Richard? Did you know? Yes, he, he lived okay. in Newport. There. All right. Uh, so, you know, he he died. They said after what a year battle with uh, uh, stomach cancer. So, which which kind of explains on a number of things because he really hadn't. He was he was so vocal during the uh, when he was getting rid of uh, Eisner. And then after uh, Eisner was gone and Iger came onto the scene. Uh, he did a number of things with the company, and then suddenly, over the last year or so, you just didn't see or hear anything of him anymore. Um, it wasn't like because uh, he was always had some sort of thing. He always had a little thing talking about one little animation. He would always come in and have uh, uh, his little bits, whether it was up at uh, Burbank or down here at the parks. There was always something that he just, you know just to pass his time in just to keep his keep his name so to speak because he was sort of like the unofficial family rep at uh just be there but suddenly this last year you just didn't hear anything from him and that explains a lot that he's just had uh health issues that he was battling through there well yeah i mean he 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 got his film out um about the sailing which i did not see i think it must have been somewhat limited run i didn't see it in a lot of theaters uh probably watch it on video maybe when it comes if it may be already out i thought he was involved in the, their first uh earth day movie and now they've got the yeah second those one. yeah i believe he was involved in those two films you know the f funny thing was i was gonna go look up something because there was this um this thought that this was the last it could be very well true the last actual disney family to have any major influence within the company uh, not necessarily on the company, but within the company. And I happen to see this link that says Roy Disney Jr. Uh, so many people have been getting <laughs> that wrong for so many years. It's almost annoying to me. Yeah. Um, he's not a junior. But yeah, because his, his middle initial is different. Exactly. What I was looking for, because when I, um, Richard knows, I can't remember the video name, uh, Walt Disney, a man in, The Man in a Myth or something like that. And one of the names of one of the producers or something in that movie was, uh, I thought it was Walt Disney Jr. or Walt Disney the Third. You know, it's a grandson because we know that Walt himself didn't have uh, boys. But there was another Walt Disney that's in the in the chain there somewhere. Yeah, there's um, a uh, Walt Elias Disney Miller. Okay, and um, anyways, I uh, Richard thought that maybe one of these. Uh, down the line, grandkids or something had some small role in the company, but we really don't know. Uh, as far as I know, Roy was the last one to have any uh, inside job with the company. Uh, you know, outside influence. I'm not sure even how much Sharon uh, is it. Sharon is still alive. I sometimes mix no, the it's, sisters. It's up. Diane that's Diane's, still alive. Sharon uh, passed away from cancer a number of um, years ago. 
and and well, Sharon, um, Sharon is the adopted, right? Diane is the actual correct, correct bloodline. Uh, of course, they're doing the family museum, but as far as I know, you know, most of her working with the company is more. I think the company, out of respect to who she is, and you know, until I, I say recently, because it's in the last ten to fifteen years, the company that Walt had, uh, Retlaw, which obviously his family took over, owned a lot of rights to his image, his name, uh, that the company bought under Eisner, uh, which Roy contested, not because of what they were buying, but how much they were paying. Um, so not enough (laughs) too much. Yeah. Way too much. Um, or, you know, someone's opinion. So I don't know if, you know, Richard was making a comment to me that he thought she had a lot of influence. I'm not sure if she has influence as much as she has the respect of the company that, you know, she wants to do some things to honor her father. But, you know, will the company actually been to, you know, her request on things? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's I would definitely say it's it's out of respect. Um, Yeah, she holds the name and everything. But she always it, the person that was doing all the work as far as the family was always Roy. Um, he he did a lot of the pushing, he did a little shoving. He's the one that was the business person when uh, Michael Eisner and Frank Wells first came in. Uh, uh, Roy took the uh, chairman, I think what was it, a chairmanship over the animation area at the studios. Um, the other person that was very involved in it was Sharon. Uh, Disney, who was actually on the board of directors for quite a number of years, right up to when she, uh, just before she passed away in 93. Uh, she was actually on the board of directors. Diane whoa, 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 whoa. Are, are you sure about that? That I don't believe that she held a board seat uh, for a long time. She wasn't hardly, you know, involved in the company at all, to the best of my knowledge. Are you, are you sure? Sharon Disney? I am pretty Oh, you're saying, oh, Sharon, I'm sorry. I buzzed out for a minute. I thought you meant the wife. Sorry. No, Sharon Disney, daughter, sister to Diane Disney. Not not Lillian. Yes, yes. Not sorry, Lillian. Sorry. My, my mistake. Uh, Sharon was actually on the uh, board of directors with the company for some time. And um, Diane always kind of uh, took a – I don't want to say she took a back seat, but she always let other family members run. Her husband, Ron – actually took reins of the company until he was ousted in favor of having Michael Eisner. Yeah, he, uh, he wasn't at the reins very long. Le- uh, I think it was a little less than a year. Yeah, in fact, I, I will find him. Some of the things I've read about him and what he was trying to do, I found somewhat naive. Uh, but on the other hand, he inherited something from a couple other CEOs um, that, you know, kind of put him yeah. in a position to uh, go, crap, what what do I do now type of a thing, right? Well, yeah, well, it was, it was a combination of he was put in a position prior to him coming in. You had Don Tatum and uh, Card Walker, and the old thing was, well, you had two, you kind of had two things going on. One is let's not upset the boat, so let's not do anything. 
And the other thing was they were always like, well, what would Walt do in this case? What would Walt do? And they were always second guessing. So consequently, very th- few things happen. And that's when we got into the jokes about the uh, 80th Herbie movie that got made. And the uh, Yeah, but that, that wasn't Ron's fault necessarily. No, it wasn't Ron's fault. But that was what Ron was coming into was this uh, stagnant company that – yeah, it was financially. In fact, that's in, in a couple of the books that you read on the takeover attempts of Disney. It made it a takeover target. Was it was a little too stable? Um, well, they, they, had, they paid for every film when they produced it. They carried no debt. They carried no debt. It was a, and and um, but it was just sitting there, and consequently the pr- price was going down. And well, for a the, public company stock, not to have debt makes them uh, very. Inviting for takeover, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you have huge amounts, you have huge amount of assets, and you have no debt to have, to worry about it. So here he comes into this society of people that all, automatically, even though he was quote unquote the person that was in charge, you have the society that everybody is questioning everything that's going on. Well, would Walt want to do that? Is that what Walt, Walt would want to do? Wait a second, don't upset the boat, don't rock the boat, uh, you know, don't. Well, you, know, you had the classic fight. You had the classic fight between the Roy people, the financial way of doing the company, and you and the Walt people, the more creative way to go. And, you know, by the way, I looked up Walter Elias Disney Miller just out of fun to see what else he may or may not have done. Uh, he's given producer credit, executive producer on Walt and El Grupo. And I have to say, after seeing what Walt and El Grupo is going to be at D twenty three, I might. If it streams on Netflix and I have nothing better to do, watch it. It's yeah. not that it's going to be bad, but it's not what it was, not what I thought it was going to be about. It's literally putting together a bunch of archival footage, talking not necessarily to people who were involved in the movie, but their sons, their nephews, their daughters, their dogs, yeah. to see what they remember. Okay, But, uh, of course, he is uh, an executive producer on Walt, the man behind the myth. But here's what I found. He's got one actor credit. Oh, and, does he? In 1963, he's un, well, he's credited, but yet officially uncredited for Son of Flubber. He is a baby in a TV commercial. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I just found that um, remotely funny. He's our roughly our age. He was born in 61. Yeah, take a look at Christopher Miller because that was a name that has popped up a couple times as well. And he's the uh, oldest brother. Yeah, Christopher uh, Disney Miller. A uh, little older than us, yeah, 54. Uh, second unit director for Something Wicked This Way Comes. Uh, Small and Fry, I guess that was a TV series. First assistant director. Uh, Tex, uh, he was um, second assistant director. I mean, that's pretty much the guy that goes gets the coffee, right? Uh, Second assistant director. Like There's that, a little bit more than that too. Yeah. Okay. He's, he he, he, he wipes his not ass. A production too. Okay. Uh, Herbie goes bananas. Your example of one too many Herbie movies. Uh, Second assistant director. Uh, Last flight of Noah's Ark, which had its moments. Uh, 1980, uh, he was second assistant director. Hey, boy, he never really moved up out of that. Well, there was one first assistant there. The Black Hole, second assistant director. And by the way, have you heard the rumors that they're going to remake the Black Hole? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have. And then, of course, Walt the Man Behind the Myth and Disneyland 59. Uh, he was part of the cast as Chris himself, a.k.a. Kodak Presents Disneyland 59. Uh, now, 
Yeah, it's funny that Disney has canceled, um, what, 20,000 Leagues. There was rumors of a Jungle Book film at one point. I don't know if that uh, – not Jungle Book, like Jungle Cruise uh, film. Now we're hearing probably – I don't want to say the worst movie ever made, but you know, pretty high up there, and a pretty bad sci-fi movie. Uh, uh, which with, one? With great production values, the Black Hole. Great production values. Oh, yeah. Bad movie. Well, it had great production values in certain areas. You know, their matte paintings, I think, far outdid anything that were ever done for the early Star Wars movies. But the rest of the effects weren't always all that great. But their matte work and their model work for you know the exteriors of the ships i think were pretty pretty good but the mat i thought the the mats blew me away the starscapes and stuff were 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 freaking amazing but yeah. anyways and the black hole itself was a pretty neat effect i thought as well the watching the swirling out there in the middle of the void of space yes that i thought that was pretty good uh there was a movie with the guy that star um uh, stars in the um uh jurassic park uh ed is it ed neil no not um yeah, uh, no, um, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Uh, uh, Event Horizon. Very much felt like the black hole redone. Do you ever see that movie? It's a real bad one you see on Saturday afternoon or, you know, when you, you, you happen across it at the DVD store and you tripped because it was laying on the floor. Hey, that, <laughs> I might watch that. Um, but it, I felt like I was watching the black hole redone. But then again, Lost in Space was almost like seeing the black hole redone. You know, derelict ship, where are the people gone? Bad things happen. You know, how many times can you redo this movie? Now we worked with somebody, oh. Richard. I'm sure you remember him. Um, uh, he was a certain individual of color, you might say, who always said he didn't have color, but then yet when things weren't going right, he was of color. Uh, but he was, you know, from a country that's pretty close and occasionally holds um, enemy combatants. That if that if you can, can am fly, I narrowing it down? A, yeah, fly my, a thousand feet, over, a couple thousand feet over uh, southern I, Florida, you I, might take a look over at it. Yeah, if I narrowed it down for you, and he um, he claims I've flown over that country a couple times. That's good. He has claimed uh, many times to be an uncredited actor in that movie in one of the robot suits because his wife was worked she worked some kind of executive position over the studios i don't know how high i mean he was working as a security guard um oh i'm sorry security <laughs> officer nice guy fun guy but sometimes a little not so straight in the head uh, but i did like him i gotta say uh, so anyways um yeah, what what do you say for uh, Roy's dead? I mean, you know, he's, when I heard it, I'm like, what the frick? But, yeah, it was a, it was a yeah. big surprise. But he's 79. It's not like you didn't see this coming. Yeah, but at the same time, I I think it's because his illness. Uh, he did keep very private. I mean, as much as Roy was in the spotlight, being of the family, and also uh, carrying a large chunk of the company with him, uh, being a very strong force in the company. He and he still had a very big, uh, very uh, large life out of the company as well with his uh, his yacht racing, um, his uh, other uh, benefits to zoos. And uh, you could almost call him a larger than life character in some ways. uh, He he followed very much in the footsteps of his uncle. I mean, his dad and especially his uncle is a very larger than life person. Well, another way, I mean, other than Walt playing 
polo until he hurt himself, and that slowed him down, having a thing for trains and never taking vacations, at least in the early days, Roy was out doing things. I mean, Walt may have been larger than life in the studio and a workaholic, but what, what, I don't know how you could compare uh, an outdoor adventurer like Roy to well, Walt true. At all. He, I would, I would probably compare him closer to, um, um, Frank Wells. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I gotta, and I gotta that, say though, Roy, I wonder sometimes about Roy's lineage because he looks a lot like Walt. <laughs> no, uh, no. You're just Spe- to stir shit up. Especially yeah. in the early No, I'm not. Especially in the early yes. days. Have you seen some of his early pictures as a uh director for uh like the true life adventures and stuff like that? His early he, work he gave off his mustache, he looks almost I mean a like little bit uncle, taller, yeah. but he looks so much like his dad. And when he has his mustache he looks he, a lot like Walt. In yes, fact I read that a lot. Who great. eerily looks a lot like his uncle. <laughs> Yeah, but you shave off his mustache. He looks so much like his dad, just a little bit taller version of it. I don't know. I'm looking at a picture uh, right now that shows him and, and the other two uh, next to it. And but he's he's he was a very private person. Um, he was a very fun guy to talk with. Uh, I remember the last time I actually uh, talked with him, we were doing the uh, annual awards uh, awards banquet for the. 10, 15, 20 year awards, so on down the line. And he was the guest speaker that night. And what they would always have is in the back, uh, backstage area. And I mean, backstage is actually out of the, the other part of the uh, ballroom and exhibit that's exhibit hall. That's not being used. They had a little private table set with a little buffet that he could be served. and He could sit back and relax between the times he's supposed to be out there on stage. Well, as a, uh, stage hand working on the show, I was going back there all the time because I kept having to move cables around. We would have to bring different awards out to show up on the uh, video. And while I'm waiting for the next cue, I would be sitting back there and I'd end up talking with the guy. A uh, lot of great stories. He was a very personable person. He he loved telling different stories about how the company was and what different thoughts were. He didn't mind a bit talking about what was going on with the company and what his thoughts were on how things should work with the company. Um, but at the same token, he was, he, you know, in doing so, he also maintained that he understood that you have to keep the line up that, you know, if at that time Eisner was still in charge, uh, Iger hadn't come in there yet. But he's, I, we found out how much of a battle there was going between him and Eisner. He's still backing up Eisner quite a bit when I was talking to him. So that tells you about, what, five years ago when I saw him last time. But he was a very fun guy to talk to, and he was very much larger than life. Um, so, definitely will be missed. I think so. Yeah, because I think a lot of people saw him as, you know, the balance. And when, when he was forced, I'm air quoting, forced to retire um, and things like that, they always saw him as this guy that was willing to fight, even if it was non-vocal by putting his weight behind other groups like Save Disney or whatever they were. Um, he, he was let's say the people's um, connection to the company, to a, a large corporation that's kind of lost its touch, let's say with the individual. He was the individual that understood what it was like to be back there in the early days of, of the company where, you know, there's a question I'd love to, to ask Eisner. 
on the first day that you worked for the Walt Disney Company, you didn't even know how to get to their corporate headquarters. How could you be an executive in Hollywood and not know where a studio to was? To find Walt or no. even the Disney studio for yeah. kind of Well, that's what I'm saying. Did he know where Warner Brothers was? Did he know where uh, Universal was? Uh, Universal is one of the kind of hard to miss ones, but... Um, how could one not know? I know the Disney studio was kind of the little studio that did, you know, kid films. And so kind of people saw it. They were no longer family films. And, and uh, they were, they were kiddie films. That's what, that's how Disney was looked at and, before he came in is the kiddie film studio, not, not the family film, the kiddie films. But also remember back in those days too, the Disney studios. And you remember, cause we've talked about it way back when, they kept a very low key. You didn't have all these names. You didn't have all these things up on the stages. You just saw an industrial complex with the water tower. And unless you actually came in on the that one particular gate that you would see the small sign that says Walt Disney Studios on it, you'd just pass by and not necessarily know it. It wasn't like Warner Brothers down the road or Burbank Studios that had all the big posters down the side and said, this is it, this is, you know, and certainly not like Universal that had, you know, has their show going on. It was a very low key and that's what they wanted to be was low key. So people quote unquote, didn't bother them. Um, it was under Eisner that you had the expansion. Suddenly you had Mickey Mouse and the Walt Disney Studios painted up on the water tower. You suddenly saw the posters start going up on the uh, sound stages. And then, of course, the uh, Team Disney building being built there with the Seven Dwarves up on it. I, I buy that to a certain extent. If you were uh, the, an, Walt an Disney average... Studios had, had their name on the water tower long before Michael Eisner showed up. No, no, they didn't. No, <laughs> it, was, it was just a silver water tower up there. Mm. Or maybe it was white back then. But no, the Walt Disney name didn't go up on the water tower until after Michael Eisner. I, I know the ears went up after him, but I thought it had the name on it. But that's not the point of my argument uh, or my discussion. I would say to the average Joe, you're probably correct. But uh, an executive of Eisner's level, I would think, would know where this place was. I just, would it just It would just be my, my gut. But then again, and as much as I like Eisner in the early years, I appreciate what he did for the company. I know there's the downsides. No one's perfect. I'm sure we can find a bunch of uh, bad things about Roy, but that's you know that's not the thing you do when you're trying to talk nice of a guy that just died. Um, but um, you know, Eisner was a New York dude with kind of some of those New York attitudes. He might not have, you know, that's like the little podunk studio. I don't worry about the Disney adult competition for, for Paramount, uh, when, which is where he was before he came to Disney. So who knows what the attitude was, you know? Maybe people, yeah. studio execs who grew up here in California, maybe they knew. I'm not sure how long, I don't remember how long Eisner has been, uh, by the time he came to Disney, how long he had been in uh, California, but I do know he's originally from New York and uh, pretty much grew up there. I think when the college there, and I don't, I don't remember all the details. But I just every time I say New York, I think of that Pace, the Condesas commercial where. Oh yeah, yeah. from New York City, and that guy goes get a rope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that that's good. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I um, I, I think. Um, unless we see, like Richard was mentioning, that, that uh, uh, Chris Miller Disney or Chris Disney Miller, whatever his name is, or the other Walt uh, showing up to do something, there's not. Um... Yeah, okay, that's... now now Roy had three kids, right? I didn't go look that up, no. 
but one of them, I mean, he has a son, so there's somebody with the Disney name. Yeah. I'm going to have to look it up now because I'm just wondering, you know, if you're, if you've been like, if you've been out on the periphery of the family business, right? Yeah. You know, I, and, sorry. And, and your dad kicks it. I mean, do you, well, you, you got to think he feels any kind of, well, let's look at it this way. Um, all those shares went to somebody and if it's in a trust, it's, it's for the family to keep their fortune. I mean, he's, I mean, if, if you can say anything about Roy, his fortune was made on the back of, of Disney and his stocks. And, and, and that was partly his, his whole uh, motivation to save the company and make changes was really his pocketbook when you really get down to it. And I have nothing against that. So don't, I'm not saying that pejoratively. It's just, you know, his, his economy was based on how well the company did or, or partly. Um, and I'm sure there's also some family... Um, uh, feelings for that too, because seeing what his uncle and his his dad built. But I just happened to come across this timeline thing of Disney, and it reminded me how Roy tried to buy the company and take it private. And of course, a lot of the uh, the board of directors wasn't so thrilled or happy about this, or didn't think it was doable. But it says Frank Wells and Stanley Gold meet with junk bond creator Mike Milken to discuss financing necessary for Roy Disney to buy Walt Disney Productions. Milken says it's doable and sets to work on it. And I'd read this before, and I want, you know, you got to wonder what would the company look like today if Roy had managed to take it private, which is what he wanted to do, one of the ways to, to save the company. And um, you know, the people well, who, who complain about Eisner and everything he did, are the same people who enjoy Disney World as they know it now and never knew it before the Eisner expansion. So, you know, I think we talked about this before. Do you take all that stuff back? Well, here's, here's one thing. You're talking about um, Roy had his finances tied up. I think when you first look at it, Roy first had a look at it, and we've talked about this with Walt, too. First and foremost, Roy Disney was a businessman. Uh, he did have a partner, Stanley Gold, uh, with his holding company. And Stanley Gold went uh, right in line with Roy on all his decisions when he was trying to do with the Walt Disney Company. Now, you gotta under, you got to remember, Stanley Gold's not necessarily looking at family name and everything as much as he's looking at the business dealings. So he's definitely looking at it as a business as well, more than just uh, that. But and I, now I can't remember where I was going with that because I just <laughs> lost with it. But, but I, did, I did want to put that something in. Something shiny flying in front of you or something or what? <laughs> like, yes, I swear. And what was he saying to us earlier? Yeah, that. that... I'm 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 looking for the names of his kids because I could have sworn one yeah. of them was. I'm oh, I'm sure well. if you just do a Wikipedia, they give uh, you his. Wiki uh, was. Not in yeah, there. here they are. Disney Fortune: Tim, Roy, Patrick, and Abigail. And Susan, he had five kids. Oh, excuse me. Tim, Roy Patrick. So what Roy O, Roy E, Roy P, Abigail, and Susan, and 16 grandchildren. So one of them, some of these people I, I would think would start feeling maybe some sort of family obligation to 
take over for, take over dad's place or grandpa's place and sure i mean that's be, possible be that, but, be but that disney that's in disney you know that's that's possible but you know no no Disney's on the board right now. He hasn't had a board spot for quite a while. I think he was what board emeritus or you know some made up thing. Some stroke you, <laughs> some stroke you. Uh, <laughs> we'll make you feel good, kind of a thing. Yeah, he left the board in '05, right there when uh, he was getting Eisner out of there and getting Iger into place. But let's not forget, Roy was also the instigator of who brought Eisner on board back in the 80s. Well, no, when he, you know, uh, I, I think I read that, you know, he was first going over for Frank Wells. I, I read you that thing a minute ago saying uh, he was talking with Frank and trying to figure out how they could uh, take the company private. Frank suggests, Frank, if, if I remember my, my reading uh, correctly, Frank's the one that said you need to get this Michael dude. He's creative. He, you know, you need him. I'll come in with him, but he needs to be the head of the company. Um, and it went well for a while. We've discussed whether or not it was, you know, the death of, of Frank, but there was already tension between Frank and Eisner um, after some time, and Frank had dis- considered quitting on more than one occasion. But uh, it's hard. It's hard to say if uh, he would have lived, if things would have been different. But you know, at some point. Uh, you know, Eisner wasn't necessarily the best person to be at the helm, and change was needed, and Roy was willing to be voicers about it. But like I say, not wanting to say bad about the dead, uh, Roy and Stanley vo- voted in lockstep with Eisner on many of the issues that Roy would later complain about. So in some ways, he is just as responsible. In fact, I actually blame the board of directors more than anybody because they are the people who are supposed to keep these people in check. Correct. Yeah. They kept Walt in check at times saying, you can't do that. Why do you think Rhett Law existed? Why, you know, why did Wed exist? Well, because the board of directors yeah. said, take a hike on that little family park thing you want to do. And he, and he created, uh, that's created he, entities to be able to do things around their back. Yeah, that's where you they found out, or he found out. You know, It's one of those classic stories. What do you mean I can't? This is my company. No, it's not. This is a public company. Not anymore. A Tucker, yeah. a man in his dream comes to my mind. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, with that said, um, uh, you know, rest in peace, Roy. Hopefully, right, Disney, yeah. you know, someone. And- uh, it'd be nice to have someone of a Disney name. I did read somewhere where I even think he, um, I think this came up at a shareholder meeting a couple of years ago where he spoke and uh, some people were trying to pass a motion that some, but some Disney family member always have a place in the board. And if I remember right, he didn't even think that uh, was necessary or should be done uh, because, you know, cause you know, quite frankly, that could be as bad as it is good. You know, we, there, yeah. might, there might be a nutcase in the, uh, in the Disney stock that you don't want to have in, in one of those positions. You just never know. Hey, I got a psychopath test for you. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I, I heard this, it on the radio this morning. This, this should be interesting. This is this is how this will help you determine if you're a psychopath or not, right? Okay, so this this girl, she goes to her mother's funeral. She meets a man there. They she falls madly in love with him. When the funeral's over, he leaves and she never gets any of his contact information. 
Three days later, she kills her sister. And your your mission is to determine why. And How if, are those... we, if we figured out we're a psychopath? Correct. Why even try then? <laughs> because it's a mental challenge. It's a mental challenge, eh? So three days later, she kills her sister? Yes. Okay, wait. Re, re, see, you, you did it kind of choppy and slow at points. Read it okay. again more straight through. I didn't and... read it. I'm, I'm just recalling it from memory from this oh, movie. Okay. Oh, that's why it's so messed that's, up. That's All right, so I'll, I'll do it again. <laughs> Make sure you get it right. Make sure you get the facts. It'll, right. be, it'll be the same thing because it's only three facts. Okay. <laughs> a woman goes to her mother's funeral. She meets a man there, falls madly in love with him. Before she can get any contact information, he disappears. Three days later, she kills her sister. It's her sister's husband or boyfriend. No. I have a feeling Greg knows and he's just not saying. <laughs> why, would, why would you say that? Because <laughs> well, you're a psychopath. Because you're being quiet. Well, actually, I'm doing two or three things at once, but... Um... Speaking of that, uh, mental challenges, I saw Sherlock Holmes over the don't, weekend. We're seeing that for New Year's. Uh, so don't it, it, it was fun. It was fun. Did you see Avatar? No, I have not. Yeah, How was that? I, I, it, I, see, I, I have mixed I feelings enjoy, on whether I want to spend money on that one okay, or not. I enjoyed it, and I saw it in 3D. And so, I, so I, no, I, no one has a, an answer to the psychopath test before we go off on a Sherlock Holmes tangent? I'm, I'm thinking about it again some more because I'm, I'm not sure I'm being quiet because I know it. Uh, when you say it, I'm probably going to go, duh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that, you know, I have Her the sister answer. was the man in disguise. <laughs> no. She kills her sister, but the sister is never mentioned as being at the funeral. Oh, wait, I know why. Go ahead, Richard. Oh, jeez. She kills her sister so they have another funeral so the man will come back. Absolutely right. Information. Oh, my word. Absolutely word. right. Oh, Richard's a psychopath. Richard's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> That's nasty. But you figured it out, didn't you? Uh, that's that's pretty bad. That is bad. <sighs> so... Okay, so you were talking about Avatar, about is it worth spending the money on? Well, uh, I, was, I was hearing something on the radio today. It, it made just slightly less this week, last weekend, than it did its opening weekend. So it's, it's churning up some uh, pretty good money. Uh, there's no cheap way to see this movie, though, <laughs> because it's mostly in 3D. Um, I um... Now, is it all animation, motion capture animation? No, no, not at all. A large majority of it is because a lot, you know, uh, large majority is on the planet, you know. Yeah. There obviously is some political messages in the movie. There's no way to get around it. That's, that's uh, but, you know, what movie isn't? Uh, we, we saw Up in the Air. It's the second movie I've seen now that has to do with the labor market being, you know, destroyed and 
decimated and you know and all that kind of stuff, which just makes me feel happy. But uh, I can't believe Up in the Air is getting nominated for Best Picture, Golden Globe, and all kinds of stuff. I actually did not think it lived up to its uh, trailers. In fact, I think the trailers misled you as to what it was about. Um, but it was well made, but I didn't think it was that great. Avatar, on the other hand, is an escapism type movie with the political subplot that, you know, we are bad. We rape the environment, blah, blah, blah. But, well, you know, he's, you. Done that, he's done that since the abyss. Well, I can't, yeah. I, I can't say that Terminator was up other than, you know, maybe a nuclear holocaust. That was more the robots deciding to take over. I don't see a big, huge political message there other than don't create robots. Well, you uh, saw the director's cut of The Abyss, right? Why would you assume I saw a director's cut of a movie that would put you to sleep? I this like wasn't that bad. Come on. No, what was it? it well, I got to say it was better than his other uh, or not. I don't mean his James, but Richard's other favorite uh, mind bender escape, whatever that sleepy Yanni movie with that dead girl that died. Natalie Wood. That uh, was, yeah. Altered Brainstorm, State. Brainstorm. Brainstorm's an OK. Is an OK. OK. Film. But see, you know what I remember when I remember about uh, the abyss, the abyss is that it was came out in 89 where a boatload of other much better movies came out that summer and it just kind of got lost yeah because that was your batman came out that was the year ghostbusters 2 came out yeah it, you know it had some interesting effects the whole undersea thing and the whole blah 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 but well, you know the thing i always found interesting about the abyss was how they filmed it and where was yeah. it all underwater in that giant tank so in a, everything in a, in a cooling tower in a, in a cooling uh, tower cool, of a cooling tank cooling tank of a nuclear power plant. A ban- uh, that was never unfinished, yeah. Unfinished, yeah. Yeah, probably because Jane Fonda and her ex-husband protested and changed themselves <laughs> in defense and all that. Most likely. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not sure there's a big, huge message in Titanic, unless I missed something. Um, no, that's true. I didn't see any message in Titanic. It was just a nice uh, Let's see. Uh, what was the other Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? True Lies. Not a huge message there other than... Um, that Was that Cameron? Yes, it was. Um, anyways, I don't think all of his are full of, you know, political intrigue or messages or subplots or whatever. But, you know, forget that. Like, I... I happen anyway. to like the day after tomorrow, though it's full of junk science. I like the special effects. There's some fun stuff going on there. Forget about the whole bullshit uh, global warming, cooling mumbo jumbo. It's just kind of a fun disaster movie. I look at it that way. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's just another disaster movie. It's like earthquake uh, in modern in modern times. So um, get past all that. I think the movie was pretty well made. Um, you know, it's got some. You know, very stereo, uh, um, stereotypical characters in it. You know, Mister Badass, Mister, you know, good looking. You know, I had all, all those things going on. Interesting concept of the whole Avatar thing, but uh, I enjoyed it. it's longs, two hours and forty three minutes, I think. Yeah, one hundred and sixty minutes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I what I found interesting is some of the people who just thought it was the worst thing ever made hit me in the head. He should be killed. Up in the air was great. <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is the same people who like Babel, which is the worst, you know, worst piece of cello, celluloid ever to hit the film. 
or hit the, hit the studios weird. that are cons- and it, and it's considered a great movie. It was up for I think Academy Awards. The yeah. only thing that people liked in the theater I saw it was when the illegal alien got deported. People clapped and cheered. <laughs> the rest of the movie, I don't want to see an underage Japanese girl's privates. I don't want to see an underage boy staring through a people watching his sister while he's doing the nasty. What the, movie is this? Babel. Babel. This is this is uh, one of uh, Lou's favorite movies. It's at uh, um, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Yeah. It was done. I, I think I've never seen Crash, but I think there's like four stories going on, and something in each one of these stories has a link to the other stories. And the big the big thing was. It was all miscommunication because people are having trouble understanding what the other person is trying to tell them. Yeah, it was just, it was a oh, okay babble. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm taking a quick look here on James Cameron. Do you know he's in development for uh, several pictures, including Forbidden Planet and Fantastic Voyage? Wow. Well, supposedly no, he's talking about yeah. a couple of remakes there that he, he, he's claimed he that this movie is 15 years in the making, which is roughly what the end of Titanic. Yeah, I mean, you got to say he's done fairly well with the small amount of films he's made. He's, you know, like him or not, he his movies have become more grand each time. And he has a vision, yeah. And he has, yeah, a vision. he's definitely a visionary. He's okay, definitely- let's let's look. I mean, I like Titanic. I have to say, my wife wasted a lot of brain cells in the theater um, seeing that movie. I, you know, you consider the length <laughs> of that movie. And how many hours she spent in there. Forget about the cost, but she really loved the movie. Take out the whole fake love story and the little booby shots of what's-her-name that started in some Disney movies. Um, I forgot what she was. She was in some uh, Disney Channel movie or something before she went on to do these other things. What's her name now? Yeah. Um, Blanchett? No, not no, Blanchett. No, 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 no. The girl that showed her her... Yeah, her boobies with uh, the other with kid, Leo Winslet, Winslet, Kate, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah, Kate Winslet. Yeah. Uh, she was in some period piece where night and something, or you know, and it wasn't Disney. It was a Disney movie or Disney Channel. I think it was a Disney movie, not a Disney Channel movie. But regardless, take that out. Once they hit the iceberg, that movie's in real time. Which is what I found fascinating about the movie. Yeah, that was very, very cool. The effects were well done. Um, Grand scope. Grand scope. scope. And, you know, I'm thinking, literally, my thought was, why do I want to go see a movie when I know everybody, or a vast majority of them all die? I, you know, it's not going to. I know the story, right? How, how, but he drew you in. I thought he did a, a very fine job drawing you in. But, you know, not everybody would agree. But as I related about the story about him not having the, the star field correct when they were out floating in the water. Uh, uh, I thought that was kind of nitpicky on some of the stuff. Well, no. What, what, what James Cameron pretty much told him, the, you know, the $100 million disagrees. <laughs> People <laughs> like the movie. And, and the Best Picture Oscar, too. And the Best Picture. Yeah, I, I have to remember. That's got to be one of the best Oscar acceptances. You know, he just... Because he just kept yeah. coming up there. Short of the one guy from the piano who was so ecstatic, he literally climbed over the chairs. Um, and then put the lip lock on. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. That's a different guy. No, the guy that climbed over the chairs was. Wasn't he the from Italian, the piano? The Italian dude. No, no. He did that. Uh, oh, shoot. That cinema. Freaking yeah, it, it was a foreign language film. 
Yes. Uh, but, be- but the yeah. piano, the eight, that's Adrian Brody. That's when he put the lip lock on Halle Berry. That's oh. different. Oh yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah I wasn't. What was that thing called? Because I think there was a dub version, right? There was an English version, a dub the English version. Then there was the foreign language film version, and the guy was like so excited. I thought it had to do with him playing a piano or something. I, mean, I never you're, saw. The you're film. blurring two years together. I know oh, okay. what you're talking about. Whatever. Oh, so uh, I was I was trying to find more news about Sharon Disney Lund um, because I'm you know, challenging Richard's timeline. I did find something that said she took over her mom's seat on the board of directors. Um, but I didn't find out how long she was on the board of directors. Um, there's, you know, history on some people are, is, you know, if I wanted to find out Lindsay Lohan's shoe size, I'm sure I'd find it out in about Pretty one damn click. Quick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, trying to find, you know, Disney's daughter's, uh, information on the board of directors is like pulling teeth here. Um, so, not, not not that it really matters, but, um, you know, Richard, maybe you would know some of this. I found it um, interesting. The, the press release, if you will, from Iger told the cast members about the death and told uh, cast members, you know, in lieu of flowers, please make yeah. donations to this place. The public release listed a different um, place to send money to. So... I believe the employees were told uh, some sailing fund, you know, Young Sailors of America or some yeah. something like that. The public was told about uh, the cancer uh, hot wing of the hospital that was named after, I'm guessing maybe his mother or maybe his first his mother's wife. mother's Edna. Uh, wasn't, it wasn't his. Trisha uh, was his first wife. Or maybe it was a daughter. Did they lose a daughter to... Uh, because I remember seeing that, I'm thinking, who is this person? What Disney is this? Because the wife he's currently with is not the mother of his children. No, um, that's the that's the younger woman, right? Right, right. So, anyways, I was just, um, you know, trying to put all the pieces together and uh, was not finding all the the puzzle pieces. Yeah. So. Uh, Taking a quick look here on Sharon Disney Lund, who passed away in 1993. She had been on the a director of the Walt Disney Company since 1984 and was an officer of Retlaw Enterprises, Incorporated, a successor to the corporation of her father, organized in 52. She was also a trustee at the California Institute of Arts, all this at the time when she uh, passed away in 93. So she had been on the board for about nine years. Okay, not not a long time. I mean, it's a fair, fair stint. Uh, but nobody took her seat. Her seat went up for grabs, I guess, when she died. Because the way I saw one link put put her in her mother's uh, seat. Um, yeah, survived by daughters Victoria and Michelle, son Brad, and sister Diane. Her first husband, Robert Brown, died, and she was divorced from her second husband, Bill Lund. So exactly. that's the quick snippet there. Yeah. I mean, I love it how I, I just one thing I do hate about Google and all these search engines here, death, the Washington post encyclopedia.com E Disney comma Sharon Disney Lund comma Mrs. Lillian Disney dot, dot, dot board, board elected Sharon Disney Lund as a director to succeed dot, dot, dot daughter of late Walt Disney. Okay. I click and what do I get? Death. Some, something today. Robert William <laughs> Holy, Nobel laureate. <laughs> Like, who the <laughs> you know? You're sounding like a commercial for Bing. 
I, oh, you know, yeah. I, I have never Bing. used Bing yet. Um, I have used it a couple times. It has come in handy a couple times. Has it now? Yes, it has. I, you know, I want to say that the name, God, that this is getting, because, you know, have you walked around, either one of you walked around the Walt Disney Concert Hall in L.A.? Negative. I haven't. I haven't walked around it. I drove around it, but I haven't walked around it there. Well, you, you see much more detail when you actually get out, you know, and yeah, touch, and touch it and walk walk up close. But uh, Roy's, uh, you know, it's the Walt Disney Concert Hall, I believe. Right? Is that the official name? Yes. Okay. Roy, just down the street from the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, has a little. I wouldn't even call it down the street, across the block. I mean, it's really close, walkable distance. Yeah. Um, Roy has this little tiny corner. If you see, if you were standing looking at the concert hall and you went left to the end of it, you made a right, go kind of go down this hill, you got the Roy Disney something down there. Uh, it's part of the, the concert hall. Um, but anyways, it's... <laughs> It just, it's that. Why is it Roy's always got this little, you know, you know, side kind of like afterthought kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, granted, the guy who's the creative genius gets more attention than the financial genius of the company, right? In most cases. Yeah. So, so what else? Um, what else do we have to uh, bring up tonight? Anything from the mailbag or anything? Uh, uh, did you want to well, go into those? Well, okay. Or, where, where are we at for time? I have no freaking clue. All right. Let, well, let well me right now, I know, I know we're over an hour. Right now, it's winter time, and they tell us they don't care because they're not going outside on bicycle rides. So yeah, winter time, we can go as long as we want to. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, uh, you know the the one the one email from Lord Vader. Well, no, not, that's a, that's a, that's a series of emails. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I I'm gonna kind of ignore the the drug induced ones. Oh, I think the, <laughs> those are the best ones. Well, yeah, yeah, but but they're 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 good for comedy. They're not good for inspiring discussion. Well, um, are are we really want to? inspired or we no no i don't i don't want to get into them what... i don't want to get into them now that's my point is that because i think we can we can full-on talk to them for at least an hour and a half and can we start that now yeah huh. oh yeah hey richard did you know this what that uh when walt died um uh, let's see here it is legacy and cal arts disney was a major benefactor as we know to the california institute of uh, arts, Cal Arts. When he died, one fourth of his estate went towards Cal Arts. He also, this is the part I said, did you know? He also donated 38 acres of the Golden Oaks Ranch in Valencia for the site of a new campus which opened in 1971. Cal Arts is one of the largest independent universities in California today, largely due to the generosity of the Walt Disney family or the Disney family. I didn't know that he gave part of the Golden Oaks Ranch. Is that is we've been there? I mean, a few times. Is that in Valencia? I never thought of that being in Valencia. Yeah, but, it's 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 or right maybe there. the other end of it touches Valencia or something. Yeah, yeah I always look at it more as Newhall than I look at it as being Valencia. Yeah, but it's all up there. 
It's yes. all up there. Yes, yes. There's a lot of mix, mix, mixed up around up there. Yeah, I'm thinking too, wasn't there right across the freeway there, fairly close, there was another uh, old studio ranch for one of like the old yeah, actors the, that owned something out there? One of the old cowboy actors, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to remember who it is. Because we, we were th- when we first went up looking for the Golden Oak, we were thinking that was it. We found out it belonged to another old-time cowboy actor. Like, yeah, it's funny. I was, I was watching, was, I was watching the emissary today, uh, Deep Space Nine's, um, what do you say, uh, inaugural episode. Yeah, and there's there's a point, a couple points in that that they're on the Golden Oak Ranch, because they're on that very signature wooden bridge, bridge yeah. that you see in car commercials, you see in all kinds of things. Oh. Yeah, um, and it just stands out to me like a sore thumb because I've been there, seen it in magazines, um, and all that. It just, um, yeah, I'm like, ah, Disney Ranch. Yeah, I'm taking a quick look at the credits on uh, Disney, The Man in the Myth, and it's listing uh, Walter Elias Disney Miller as executive producer of the film. Yes, I think we covered that about 45 minutes ago. No, you didn't <laughs> mention it was just that he was listed as just uh, being no, himself. No, I did not. I. Yes, went, I went over both of his executive producing roles. If you were listening, well, that's apparently he was. Obviously, I, I obviously he was not. <laughs> I don't listen to you. Uh, that's all right. All right, so uh, we're rolling into a new year, right? And in just a couple short months, boy, that was quick, Mike. We'll, yeah, we'll have been doing this for four years. Can you believe it? Um. <laughs> well, you and I have. Yeah, Richard had a little hiatus in there at the beginning, but you know. Yeah, yeah he was kind of a reoccurring comedy guest star. You know. But he's been he's been a regular longer than he was a not a not a regular. Regular, that, that is correct. I think in the beginning there was some worry that his connection with the company and blah blah blah. Yeah, it it just made me very irregular at the time. Nothing new there. Oh, you hey, yeah, I'll see. And that's new how. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, uh, New Year also means, you know, West Fest is coming. Um, so is it? Yes. Well, five months into the, uh, you know, the year. Sure. sure. But we're going to have some things for that. Yes, we are. Start ramping that up. We Last are year. in the planning stages of something huge for our portion of Westfest. Correct. Can't, can't promise anything for the rest of that DP and crew, but as far as our thing goes, we are in the planning stages for something big. How's good that? job. So big. That's a good hook. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's a good hook. So big, we don't include. Richard in on the planning. I know because they don't. They really don't. I'm. Yeah, you want to talk about frontline cast members at Disneyland? It's frontline show personalities here on this show. I'm not included in anything. So well, that's because you're not frontline. Come on. Oh. oh. <laughs> sure, I am. Just, he, I'm just he, talent. he walked. I'm not... He walked right into that. I'm just uh, talent. I'm. I'm. Yeah. Keep keep like dreaming there, buddy. I'm talent. I don't have to be a producer. I'm talent. That's right. Well, Great. you don't you don't want to be a producer of your sh- of this show if it sounds like our last show. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We probably should have started out by apologizing. Uh, the content I think was above average, but the sound quality was um, 
you know, toilet, toilet paper against. If, if you have some way to clean that up, I'd be so that'd be so awesome. But well, I I don't. I don't know. It was it was. I I sorry I paused. I swear I felt an earthquake there for a second. But oh, did you? I I'm not hearing it. I'm not feeling anything. Sorry. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, sometimes you do hear an earthquake. It sounded funny the way you said it, but um, well, while you're doing that, I'm going to read one email that kind of just you know, there's not a whole lot of discussion. It just kind of catches up with something that we talked about, and maybe we'll do a future show on. That's the one from Thomas, uh, and okay. I had I had some responses back to him, and then you know, blah blah. Um, I was listening to your latest podcast. You brought up some things about the ships. First off, Disney Magic and Wonder do not have casinos. Also, they do not have ozopods, the steerable propellers. They have one propeller at the rear and a rudder. They do have man over oh, I'm sorry. They do have man overing thrust, thrusters at maneuvering. the bow. That's maneuvering for the rest of us. Oh, well, if he spelled it correctly without a space in between, I probably would have caught that, but I man overing. You're right, maneuvering. But there's a space. Yes. That's this, funny. This is why I pre-read some of the mail. Actually, I, I did pre-read, but, you know, I forgot. Yes. Uh, thrusters <laughs> at the bouncer, so they can move sideways. Well, is again, like, you're, you're right, because it says, well, docking. That's not what he means. Wow. Uh, wild docking, yes. <laughs> we've all had those moments while typing uh, and pulling away from the port. The dream and fantasy are very likely to have these azopods. Like, is that how you say them? Azopods? Azopods? Azopods. I don't know. I think it's 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 a combination of the word azimuth, which means oh. you know it spins three sixty, right? Right. And pod. So okay. as a pod. They also have a bulbous hull at the front to reduce drag and increase forward thrust through the water. Thomas and I responded back. Thanks for the great information. As you can tell, I know nothing about cruise ships. I've never been on one, and I'm not really interested, except for maybe an Alaskan cruise. Greg, and then I, he answers, "You're welcome." If you guys need help with a future DCL question, shoot me an email, and I will try my best to answer it. So then I said, "That sounds great." How many cruises have you been on? Do you use Skype? Maybe we could have you as a guest on a future cruise ship show. So his response back, and then Richard, you can chime in, whatever. Sorry, I cut you off there. I've only been on three cruises, but I'm very interested in ships and many other things. As for Skype, yes, I am. Look me up under blank, blank, blank. I would love to come on as a guest host for a cruise show. By the way, the three cruises I have been on are four days on the Disney Wonder and the 14-day westbound Transatlantic in 2007 and the 15-night eastbound Panama Canal cruise in 2008. I actually, uh, I've actually have also supplied info on DCL to Will and Shannon in the past. So there's his uh, his background for being our cruise person info, at least the only one that responded. So now he mentioned in there about that uh, there's only one propeller uh, on the ship. That's what he I says. thought. There were two on there. Go on thinking, look it up. If you're that, cu- <laughs> if you're that curious, I'm just, I am just I, the messenger here. Hey, I've said that too, and Lord Vader won't buy it. So, well, because you, I'm not going to buy it either. You don't come off as the messenger. You come off as the source. I, no, I come off and say this is what I was told. No, you do, very a, rarely do you say that until we back you in a corner. Usually, it comes off as fact. 
I no. know this is I am God. <sighs> or sometimes Dr. Dick, whichever one you want to use, depending if oh, we're talking medical I... science or whatever. Uh, there's only one dick around here, and it's not me, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, are we done? I don't know. I mean, they, uh, what was it? I thought you were going to cover a little bit of the uh, the drunken stupor or drug-induced stupor of uh, Lord Vader's email. No, I'm saving that for later. Oh, okay. Later. A, later, Vader? Later, Vader. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Yeah. I don't think he's laughing. <laughs> it made Richard I laugh. Frank uh, laughed too. <laughs> I was laughing at you laughing. No, you were laughing at the same time. Yeah, that's true. Laughing. I th- I found it kind of juvenile and funny. <laughs> you are you are correct. Oh boy. Um, ah. Yeah. Unless you can think of something else, um, any great things we did throughout the year. See, if we actually knew what shows we did throughout the year, we might go back and say, hey. We did this, and it look what it, you know. But since we don't yeah. have, we we have no staff like a radio show to say go back and look it up, and we're too keep lazy track to do of, it ourselves. Keep track of history and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, maybe one day we could put a spreadsheet together, at least of the titles of the show, so we have a rough idea of what we talked about. But again, I don't think the producers that into it. Well, we have a I website hear, that, I, I that hear some, yeah, we, I mean, we could look that I, up, right? That lists every show. That, At know. a moment's notice, we could have went to www.micecast.com, but none of us thought to go to our own website. No. <laughs> and why don't you give out our poop mail? Oh, email, goodness. There's a, we got a couple voicemails. I have to play those. Uh, 8304-DF-POOP, 830-433-7667. Yeah, we definitely need to uh, play some of those because that's the whole purpose why we. Uh, yeah, it. I know. It's why it's we got it. We pay the big part. money for it, right? Yeah, that's right. That big free Google service. Hey, well, you know, it's only free because people are sucked into it and buy ad time and all that, right? Or, that's right. However, it's uh, however it's done. All right. Well, shoot. This this is now. Will this actually go up before the new year? Well, uh, it depends on how quickly you know we get it from one spot to the other. I will upload it tonight. Okay, then there's a chance. I'm uh, let's say I work tomorrow. I'm off the thirty first. I might be able to throw it together on Thursday. So at this point, we should probably wish everybody a happy new year. Yes, happy new year. We'll see you in twenty ten. Two thousand ten. Yeah. Now, how are you going to go around saying that? Are you going to say 2010? I'm going to say 2010. No, it's 10. What? 10? Okay. 1990, 1995, 2000, 2001, 2009, 2010. He's going by, you know, the 80s. It what are you going to say when it's oh, you're, 2010? You're going to say 20, 2010? You're going to say 2010? 2010. See? There you go. That's all I was asking. <laughs> just trying to get out. I just yeah, I mean, you didn't, you didn't say 2009. It's like you're saying. No, you, you said 2009. 2000, yeah, you said 2000 to 2009. But, I don't know. I have a feeling people are going to say 2010 uh, because of the last nine years of saying like you said, 2000-something. But how do you go back now and look at, you know, we've got, like, let's say, the Roaring Twenties, you got the 70s. 
What do you do with the tens and the O's? I mean, how do you aughts? How do you call that? They're called the aughts. Oh eight, oh seven, oh six. Yeah, just like we did. Yeah, but that was a phrase that was used back then, and and if they're in the tens, you would say the teens, right? That was used two generations ago. No. I, I don't know. I don't really care. I just 20s, 30s, 40s, right? Who, who, make, who makes up, you know, X to Y, double X, Y gene, you know, all these, you know, things. Gen what, X. The, uh, the generation names? I have no idea. Yeah, I always thought those were. Sociology professors at, at universities, I guess. Pointy heads that have nothing better to do, probably. Yeah. All right. I, I, that's all I got to say about that. Don't know, don't care, right? <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to say Happy New Year. We'll catch you all later, and have a good night. Happy New Year and good night.